This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Interest rates are higher. I know people don't like that, but you should be welcoming a stronger economy. Maybe a deal has a point about the machinery of capitalism being oiled with the blood of the workers. The United States is a country that has always paid all of its bills. Lannister always pays his debts. Don't let the bastards get you. Welcome to Comedian versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day, Adam. How are we going? Doing pretty good. Uh, I don't know if nobody wants a hat or if maybe we didn't really sell the hat well enough. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we mentioned on the show last week that if people could guess all of the voices in the new intro, that there would be a hat on the line. Well, I can provide an update. I've found a hat. Uh-huh. Um, because it is a form of test, I thought that the most suitable hat would be a baggy green <laughs> test cricket hat. This is an official baggy green copy. I sent off through Wheatbix many years ago, <laughs> uh, so it's got a Wheatbix logo on it. Uh, but if you can guess all the voices in the intro, you could be the recipient of a baggy green. So if that doesn't get you going, get you excited, then I don't know what will. I think that's... I might end it myself. No, not eligible. Sorry. Oh. Uh, <laughs> hey, budget's out tomorrow. By the time you hear this, uh, it will have been yesterday. Thomas, what's your prediction? Budget or interest rate announcement? Oh, interest rate announcement, sorry. Right, yeah, same, same, mm, same, same. Same, same, they meeting, yeah. the RBA's meeting. RBA's meeting, talk 25. stuff. Yeah. Mm. Uh, 25 basis points and some more funding for aged care. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's no, no funding for aged care. We'll get 20, I think we'll get 25 basis points. 25 basis points. All right, well, yeah. we'll find out by the time you're listening to this whether Tom was right or not. You might want to go and Google it just in case before you make any, before you take out of the home loan, uh, yeah, remortgage the house. Just check that Thomas was in fact correct with 25 basis points guess. But massive show coming up, Thomas. Uh, the treasurer, Jim Chalmers, has caused a stir with an essay he wrote over the holidays as a result, some sections of the Australian media have given him a D minus and said he could do better if he just applied himself. <laughs> we'll take a look at a story of scandal and corruption so big that a don't even know where to start. <laughs> that terrible pun will make more sense later, hopefully. Uh, you got and- Chit Chat GPT to write these intros again, didn't you? <laughs> Uh, exciting news. We've got a brand new $5 note design just in time for the end of cash, uh, but not everyone's happy. <laughs> Sorry, no, everyone is happy except one guy. Uh, Peter Dutton's not happy. We'll find out why a bit later on. But first, Thomas, everyone knows you don't fight the Fed. So mm. why are markets fighting the Fed? 
Well, no, they don't. They 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 think they think the Fed's rolling over and um, playing possum, letting them letting the markets run. That was really? that was the vibe. Yeah. So we got we got twenty five basis points out of the Fed last week. Hmm. Um, that was down from fifty bips in December. So s- slower. That was largely expected, but definitely the rate hike pace is slowing. And then Jerome Powell came out in his pref- press conference and hmm. was just a lot more bullish than people were expecting really and yeah right markets pumped there as a result the yeah up what did he NASDAQ say Nasdaq was up a full 2% on the just on the day we had a few a few things i mean basically you know so previously he's been saying you know inflation's going to stick around longer markets are you know getting ahead of themselves but this time mm. he's like yeah well maybe 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 we're all good came out and said you should buy stonks buy <laughs> get yeah. get on Pretty much. Yeah. Paraphrasing, obviously, yeah. but subscribe and follow me for more hot tips. <laughs> Smash that like button. <laughs> yeah, no, so there were five, five key things saying that inflation's one, first is inflation's kind of over. We can now say for the first time that the disinflationary process has started. So uh-huh. inflation's going to come down. Okay. Number two, there's no recession. I can I continue to think that there's a path to getting inflation back down to two percent without a really significant economic decline. Okay. It's going to this nail is, that this soft. Is all, all positive. Yeah, nail that soft landing we've been talking about. Hmm. Um, also, saying the labour market remains very very strong and there is strong job creation. Yeah. So I, I heard that this morning. Like unemployment's still at like record lows in the US. Mm. So mm. isn't that a bad thing for inflation? Like. If everyone's got a job and earning lots of money, I thought <laughs> I thought the road out of this was like getting people to lose their jobs. Yeah. Well, no, the, it, it was if you thought that there was going to be a wage price spiral, which is what everyone was afraid of. Right. And people started like trying to, you know, squash the labour market in anticipation of a wage price spiral. Mm. We just haven't seen that. And the disinflationary process has started because the supply bottlenecks are kind of moving through the system. This is great news then. So inflation's coming down and we get to keep our jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that seems, to be, the, seems wow. to be what he's saying. Tick, yeah. tick. Nice work, yeah. Jerome. Number four, saying that the state and local governments are really flush these days with money and many of them considering tax cuts or even spending checks going out to mm. households. So that's that's good news. That's inflationary, isn't it? Well, tax cuts yeah, but and spending it, checks. Yeah, it is, but inflation's coming down. And you right. so, and it's probably going to come down quite quickly. So you can lean into that to protect yourself on the downside. I think I think that's what he's saying. Like when you look at the positioning, the disinflation's already started even oh, before you know without unemployment ticking up. So we've got we've got a lot of headroom to lean into inflation if it does <laughs> does stick around longer. <laughs> I don't know, like because all I've heard for the last year and a half has been like we need to fight inflation, stop inflation mm. getting out of control. That's mm. turned very quickly to let's start giving people checks. <laughs> 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 did I did I yeah. miss a period where we were just going you know, to roll along on a stable platform for a while and just kind of sit? There was a there was going to be some yeah. plateau or something wasn't there at the top of the inflation mountain where we were just going to run at a steady state. When did we get to free money for everybody? <laughs> yeah, that was the two weeks over Christmas. So, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, it turned, did turn quickly, yeah. Right. And how did the markets react to that then? They had a oh, field day. They, they pumped. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Up, yeah, NASDAQ was up. He said, uh, yeah, S&P was up more than 1%, NASDAQ up 2, 2%, so mm. just pumping along. There was what some people were calling a dash for trash. 
Oh, yeah. So it sounded like they, the, the, the trades that were sort of the, the big speculative bubbly kind of trades mm. of COVID, they, they were risk on again. So Tesla shares jumped 6% on the day, mm. just in the second half of the day. Their year-to-date gains are now 68%. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Kathy Wood's ARK Invest Index ETF is up 6% as well on the day. Peloton and Carvana were up 27% and 32%. Wow. Respectively. So It's 2021 all over again. Here we go. Peloton, yeah. Peloton, <laughs> Peloton's up 100%. Yeah, good bikes. Good bike, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bikes with a laptop. Bikes with an iPad on the front. <laughs> really yes, right. Well, I guess if you need any sign that speculation's back on, it's Bitcoin's up 40% or something too, isn't it? Yeah, so, that's true. That's true. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, store of value, Bitcoin. So the markets, are they they got it right? Or what's the downside risks to this? Happy days. Well, mm. I think I think the downsides from here is that the earning we see earnings come in softer than people expect. That I think that's what would need that's what you'd need to see for the market to turn. Right. So you need to see some some even even if we avoid a recession. I mean, that, and you know, the Fed governor is very unlikely to come out and say we're headed for a recession because mm. he's then to say, well, cut rates then. So he's saying like, so even if we are headed for a recession, even if he thinks so, he's probably not likely to say it. Right. But it does seem to be the general consensus that the US should avoid recession and Australia as well. So if it does scoot that, then the real downside for markets, I think, is is downgrades to earnings. So if earnings mm. come in a lot softer than people expect, that could be enough to sort of take the wind out of the, the current bull market. And that's happened a little bit already, hasn't it? Like I think Google's advertising revenue was way down and uh, mm. Amazon weren't, aren't, weren't doing as well as, as hoped. Mm, I don't know. Mm. I don't have any data. <laughs> just, <laughs> just what I heard on Triple M this morning. <laughs> yeah, the general vibe around Meta is a bit <laughs> meh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doggo on the wazoo on the on the morning show was like <laughs> sell Amazon. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but I think that that's probably yeah. If we see that more in the retail sector, I guess if you see that sort of like Texas sort of own beast. So if you see that getting mm. into you like you know your Wes Farmers or your Woolworths or something like that, that mm. might start to freak people out. But mm. for now, things are looking pretty good. Happy days. All right, Thomas, the treasurer Jim Chalmers, uh, he wrote an essay. Mm. What did he write about? Anything? I'd, anything I'd like? Uh, well, you're not a big reader, so I'm not nah. going to bore me with the words <laughs> of the essay. <laughs> There's some pictures. Uh, no, it was, it was called Capitalism After the Crises. Mm. And basically I think he's, he's out to define his approach as treasurer to let people know what he's about. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's kind of a bit of branding because, you know, like I follow politics reasonably closely and before he came treasurer I didn't really know much about him. Is it maybe him in a rush to write his own book, write a memoir, but he just didn't have enough content to go off so he just said, I'll, <laughs> I'll just make it an essay for now and publish my memoirs after I've had a career? Yeah, Kevin Rudd did a similar thing when he when he took office and basically it's like it's just a big picture, this is my approach, this is what you can expect from from me, just going right. to sort of lay the philosophy I'm, I'm going to do. That's part of it but there's also a lot of like like talking to the the, the, his, the, the political base of the Labor Party, so there's a lot of messaging for that. There's also, and then I think there's also a lot of justifications and explanations for the current intervention and the current sort of agenda that the, the Albanese government's bringing. So is he writing it as Jim Chalmers or is he writing it as 
the treasurer, or is it sort of both? Like, is it is it representing the Labor Party and what and what their policies are, or is it more just like this is just some stuff I had in my head I want to get down on paper? I'm just sort of spitballing some ideas. Uh, no, I think he's he's speaking for the Labor Party okay. and as treasurer here right. for himself, but also yeah, as as treasurer. Like this is this is the official narrative now. This is this right. defines the way we talk about. Labor's economic policy okay. going forward and how, how we understand it. Yeah, so, yeah, that's where it's coming from. Okay. He's, call, he's calling for values-based capitalism, so idea that sort of free market fundamentalist capitalism has lost its way, has just given us crises after crises, has created a bunch of vulnerabilities and inequality, mm. uh, and we need to not we don't need to sort of overthrow capitalism we like capitalism or he likes capitalism mm. but we need to bring we need to have values based capitalism so we need to bring make sure capitalism is working and delivering on the social values that we like hmm. sounds a basic reasonable idea yeah pretty reasonable i mean the conservative press hated it mm. part part of it was like it was it was worded in a way that however you wanted to read it, you could read it that way. So if you were progressive looking for like a really firm government intervention going forward, you could take that out of it. Mm. If you were pro-business and looking for the government to enable business and not get in the way of business, you could take that spin on it too. Mm. It was sort of like it was enough sort of big picture, hand wavy kind of stuff that you could read it any way you want. And so the conservative press really read it as this is communism by stealth. (laughs) Yeah, right. and we're going back to the bad old days of government intervention, and mm. yeah. So the AFR, which you know, is typically isn't really you wouldn't really place it as conservative or progressive normally, but they've been a bit useless when it comes to the gas cartel. But they so they ran a full two page article attacking it, an editorial attacking it, saying it harks back to an essentially old model of more government intervention and higher taxes, camouflaged in the camouflaged in the contemporary language of social inclusion. It hardly mentions the incentives, enterprise, entrepreneurship and rewards needed to drive the productivity rebound that's needed to pay for labour's big spending programs. Uh, So they they said, yeah, it's an attack on capitalism and an attack on neoliberalism. Right. What's neoliberalism? Uh, This is sort of like, I guess you you could kind of call it free market fundamentalism. Mm. And it's sort of like... (laughs) Oh, that clears it up. (laughs) Yeah. Ah, free market <laughs> fundamentalism. <laughs> why, why didn't you just say so? <laughs> uh, it's, no, it's, it's a particularly Australian thing and, it, and it's sort of like it's a, it's a term that critics use, like no one really says I'm a neoliberal. It's more mm. like critics have accused people of being ne- neoliberals. Right. And the, sort of the basic idea is that less government intervention is always better. You want almost governments to get completely out of the way of markets. The market solution is always the best solution for any social problem Mm. um, and more markets are always better. That's sort of like, you know, that's the caricature of that, of Mm. that. So that's that's what neoliberalism is, and and Chalmers himself said that neoliberalism has failed. So from his point of view, it's not neoliberalism, but from the critic's point of view, it is. Uh, Well, he's he's attacking it and he, he would call it neoliberalism. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's saying I, feel for, like we're, I feel like we're discussing an article that was written by OpenAI in response to the question, <laughs> please write me an article about economic futures without <laughs> providing any detail. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, like, what's that? What's the, there's one doing the rounds on the internet somewhere where it's like, write me a job description about this without actually ever saying what the job does. <laughs> and OpenAI gives like this, it's quite, really quite good. Yeah, All right, right. So in a nutshell, what's his vision for how the economy should work? So, so basically he's saying that markets aren't the problem. He likes markets mm. and, you know, as the leader of an Australian, of Australia, you need to be saying that. Yep. Um, but some markets are better than others and he distinguishes between well-designed markets and mm. poorly designed markets mm. um, and saying that, you know, markets when they're carefully curated and tended to mm. uh, will produce good outcomes. But if they're just given free reign and ignored, then they can create really bad outcomes. And the bad mm. outcomes we've seen have been a result of that neglect that happened with the local bric-a-brac markets down here actually just just ignored and lost their structure but i feel like new year things are going to turn around yeah (laughs) well get jim onto it (laughs) jim's markets i like markets i love a good market (laughs) right so the four interesting things that i pulled out one that make to make well-being a focus Mm. so the Labor is now going to include measures of well-being in their budget. So alongside GDP and forecasting GDP, they're going to include data on uh, climate and the energy transition, economic resiliency and the sort of strengths of supply chains and equality metrics. Right. So they're saying like we've got, to, we've got to be measuring those things if we're going to really make good progress. That's good. I think we touched on that last year, didn't we? Briefly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 has been a long criticism of GDP as a measure that it's mm. just about how much stuff we produce and doesn't yep. actually get to the quality of living. Hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that's that's. I think that's that's a positive. Um, two is we need stronger institutions. So markets don't exist in a vacuum; they exist in a in a social within social infrastructure. So that how strong and integral though that social infrastructure is will determine how well the markets work mm-hmm. and you see like things like the integrity commission and stuff like that's gonna gonna feed into that the yeah, big theme for him is coordination and co-investment so like co-investment he, he cites the clean energy finance corporation where the government gets in and invests in enterprises that deliver social goods the social needs mm. and Rather than providing it themselves, it's more like we're going to coordinate other entities to do that, or we're going to co-invest and get that happening. So we're sort of support, still supporting the market to do its thing, mm. but we're, we're going to be active in it. It's sort of the the charmer's doctrine. Are you saying? And was that the end? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, look, I'm, I'm summarising here. I asked GDP, GDP to give me a 200-word summary. Of, didn't, really, didn't really reach a climax, did it? It was very sort of <laughs> middle of the road the whole way through. Um, so it all sounds pretty positive though. I mean, I guess it depends, again, on your perspective, but it sounds yeah. like there's nothing in there that I'm like, what? <laughs> he's, he's taking our jobs. Yeah, it's not, it's, I mean, yeah, that's right. It's, it's, it's an essay for everyone. It's not mm. designed to freak people out. Mm. Um, I mean, there's still some big problems there within it. Like there's still a focus on growth and productivity. Um, I think there's a really valid questions about, do we need more growth? Growth mm. seems to be one of the key contributors to the climate crisis and our fixation with growth. We only need growth to keep people employed. Maybe we start need to having a conversation about how do we keep people employed or keep people in their livelihoods mm. without continually, endlessly expanding the amount of stuff we're producing. Mm. I think that's, that's, so that's, that's missing. There's still no questions about like, you know, like with the Clean Energy Finance Corporation and the energy transition, that's great if the problem is a technical, technological 
has a technological solution. So you can get in and fund the new technology and the distribution of the new technology. But a lot of the big social problems we have aren't crying out for a technological solution, you know, like the protection of koala habitats, for example. Mm. That's not a problem because we don't have the technology. That's because of other factors and we need to like, you know, slow down the consumption of old growth forests and things like that. Not if you go to Bribey Island. They have applied a technological solution to koalas' habitats. They built a, <laughs> they built a rope bridge across the main road so that koalas can cross the road safely. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I don't know. It could have just been one of those green initiatives that they had to do because, I don't know, I, I, think, I think the project probably lacks funding like the education of koalas component around us, <laughs> utilising the new rope bridge, <laughs> using, using the koala crossing to cross safely, all those kinds of just basic, basic education tools for koalas in the area to let them know <laughs> that A, the rope bridge is now in place, B, how they can use it, because um, they put like a, it's quite comical, they've put like a, it must be like 20 metres of fence along the ground to, just to encourage animals to use the rope bridge that goes across above. But, yeah, it obviously assumes that the animals are already within that 20-metre zone. <laughs> <laughs> no, they go, they, go, they go hand in hand with long, long fences, right? <laughs> yeah, but not on, not on Bribey. This is so just oh. I mean, up near Brisbane oh, yeah, when I visited mum. Yeah, no, so you're the right. Fence, the fence yeah. is 20 metres long. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. some government department got a ticket in a green box somewhere for, um, <laughs> for a green, it was a green infrastructure project. All right. Um, all right. Yeah, so koalas yeah. aside though, what are the market implications for this paper? Anything? Well, I think, I mean, I think I'm kind of hopeful that we'll see more intervention in the gas market. Mm. There's a lot here that would justify, justify what the what the government has announced so far. Mm. And I think that's good news for the Aussie economy. It's good news for Aussie businesses, for every other business other than the gas producers, given that how much um, that feeds into the overall economy. So I think that's, that's a potentially good thing. One analyst said it might mean more regulation for the banks. They're, they're often a sort of a popular uh, target mm. for this kind of thing. Um, so that might, might, might be, you know, banks might see some more regulation down the track. But apart from that, I don't think, yeah, it's like it's a lot of, lot of sort of hand-wavy stuff and really the devil's going to be in the detail. And I've got to admit, like calling it an essay, you lost me already, Jim, sorry. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> Sounds like too much like school again. Uh, all right. Hey, um, before we get to the break, uh, I do just want to get to a listener uh, email that we got or Jordan actually sent us a message via Instagram at CVE Podcast. Tommy, he called you out uh, on the, I think our last episode, uh, you said that inflation has become an excuse to justify um, price gouging on rent. Uh, or landlords price gouging on rents. And he was just wondering why it's any different. Like presumably landlords have taken a hit in terms of how much it costs with inflation and all their costs are going up. So isn't it justified for them to raise to raise rents in the same way that someone who's, I think he used the example of selling, you know, if beef goes up in price, then you need to raise the price of, of the steak that you're serving at, at the business. So care to comment? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's broadly true. The thinking's broadly true, um, but, it, but it's just more complex than that. Mm. And probably like the, like the counter example to understand is why rents didn't go down when mortgage rates went down. Right. You know, so mortgage rates went down, that should have pushed down the landlord's costs, but they didn't pass that on through lower rents. Rents actually went up through COVID. Right. So, yeah. yeah so, so, it's, so it's just not that simple. Kind of, kind of the way I think about it is that 
production costs set the lower bound of a price mm-hmm. and demand sets the upper bound. Okay. So if costs rise, you know, for your beef or whatever rises too much and you can't supply it at a certain price, you know, below which you're just out of business and so mm. you just exit the market. So that creates a lower bound. But then once that's once you sort of pass that, then it's really about how much people are willing to pay. And if there's a sudden trendy surge in demand and people are really wanting your product, then you, and you can get away with charging more prices, than higher prices than you will and, and prices go up. And I think that's what we're seeing here is that we're well above landlord costs. You know, you know most landlords in the market as a total stock would have purchased their property well before um, rates went down and then back up again. Like we're mm. only still, we're still not even normalizing like visual cash rates, you know, in the threes still, it's still very low. So most landlords in the, for the stock of the market won't, shouldn't be out of pocket just based on that. They've got rates have gone down and then back up again. They should be about where they were. Rents are going up because they can get away with it because there's that much demand in the market. Right. And so it's that demand that's setting the upper bound for prices and that's where we're at. And, you know, landlords can get away with it, so they, so they do. Hmm. Oh, I hope that answers your question, Jordan. Uh, we're going to take a short break here, grab a quick word from this week's sponsor and be back with more Comedian versus Economist right after this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. And Thomas, the Adani group is in a bit of trouble. What's going on there? I noticed the Dive are also talking about it this week, so it must be a big story. Yeah, big story. Their finger's mm. always on the pulse over yeah. at the Dive. Um, yeah, so basically um, a short seller came out and released a big short selling report on Adani. Mm-hmm. So Adani is, should be pretty well known in Australia. It's an Indian company led mm. by Guatam Adani. Uh, who is the – well, he was the third richest person. Well, at some point the second richest person. I think he's now down to 21, I think. Oh, ouch. Yeah, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> imagine, imagine being only the 22nd richest person in the world. I know. You just give up. Struggle you? street. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So Danny's like it, – it's, it's interesting because it's a, it's a massive conglomerate. So there's seven listed companies on the Indian Stock Exchange, so seven mm. separate companies. Uh, has all sorts of interests from ports, power plants, airports, data centers, cement, media. It includes Adani Enterprises, which is why it's famous in Australia because they own the Carmichael coal mine in Queensland. Right. And they were big, the, you know, the Stop Adani protests. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, but they're sort of like the, they're the biggest company in 
India, like they're the, you know, the national champion of India. A bit like Wirecard was the national champion of Germany <laughs> some, some years ago. Yes. <laughs> yes. Eerie parallel. <laughs> yeah. So then Hindenburg Research and came out. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's not a good, it's not a good omen when Hindenburg starts looking at you. Yeah, mm. yeah. So Hindenburg Research are a short selling institution. Your short sellers, they, they come out, they publish attack pieces on companies that say they're frauds. Mm. This one of the things that brought down Wirecard as well. And yeah, so they've come out and said, and oh, so Hindenburg got, they were famous because they, they shorted te, uh, Nikola, the truck mm. maker Nikola. We did a story on them last year. Yeah. Just sort of basic corporate fraud. But they, so it was Hindenburg that brought that, those brought Nikola down. Right. And so they got a reputation in, uh, in the industry. And then they came out and said, oh, we've got a big story. Everyone's like, oh, okay, you brought down Nikola. What, what's right. it going to be? They also shorted Tesla, the, uh, not Tesla, twi- Twitter. Twitter. Mm. Yeah, which is mm. still, I don't know. I heard still Elon in, Musk said they're returning to neutral or something from, they're not profitable, but they stopped making losses. Okay, there you go. Okay. So yeah, so so the, yeah, they got some they got some they got some runs on the board, but and right. then they came out. They released a report called Adani Group: How the World's Third Richest Man Is Pulling the Largest Con in Corporate History. Mm. Them's fighting words. They are fighting words indeed. Saying that Adani Group has engaged in brazen stock manipulation and accounting fraud. Right. Yeah, and they really so they released a very detailed report. It's one hundred and thirty-two pages, just full of data and accusations it's longer than Chalmers essay yeah 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 so that said they spent two years on the investigation right what are they accusing them of just massive fraud more yeah massive fraud I mean there's a lot to it mm. um saying the company's sort of risky there's they've got very high leverage which puts them on a precarious financial footing they use equity as collateral uh which we saw with the collapse of uh Sam Bankman Freed and mm. Um, I've already forgotten the name. <laughs> FTX. FTX, that's yeah. right. Uh, yeah, so it's just, it's just inherently risky. Mm. Um, so there's something they're worried about that. But the, the key accusation of sort of wrongdoing that seems to be in there is that they have undisclosed related party transactions. And so the basic idea seems to be that they have, they've set up these shell companies in Mauritius, 38 of them, owned by Vinod Adani, which is uh, Guatam Adani's older brother. Mm-hmm. And those companies own a lot of Adani shares but don't declare that they're controlled by Adani. Right. By, uh, yeah. And so there's this idea of the free float. So like in India, all shares that owned by executives, board members and their families has to be less than 25% of total shares. Mm-hmm. Because then you know you've got a liquid market and the share price is determined by actual trading. They're saying if it's more than 25%, it's 30% in Australia. But if it's more than that, if more than 30, 25 or 30% is owned by insiders, then you can't really trust the share price as being an accurate reflection of the company because insiders are controlling too much of the market. Yeah, right. Okay. And so all of those seven companies flirt very close to that 25% threshold already. Right. Like they're, they're either right on it or just a few one or two percent from it mm. but what Hindenburg reckon is that um, all these shell companies are, are called independent share owners of these companies but they're not actually independent because they're controlled by um, Adani's brother ah right so they probably they, they might own 60 70 percent of shares yeah, we yeah. Don't know. Well, and they actually they actually accuse them of pumping the share price by like actively manipulating the market and buying at particular times in order to push up the share price. Right. Yeah, so that's what that's what that's the fraud element that they're mm. accusing them of. Okay. Yeah. 
And how did this go down with Adani? Did anyone, did they get upset? They weren't happy. No, nah, yeah. imagine. Yeah, no. They, yeah, so they came out. I mean, the, the, the playbook seems to be to come out, like Wirecard did, mm. come out and attack the short sellers as committing yep. fraud and being horrible people. Mm. And that Adani, Adani went with the sort of played the played the nationalism card, saying this is not merely an unwarranted attack on any specific company, but a calculated attack on India, mm. the independence, integrity, and quality of Indian institutions, and the growth story and ambition of India. Right. I mean, and, t- and to be fair, it did. They did publish their report on Indian Independence Day, <laughs> which is like when they got their independence from Britain. So right. The timing was a little bit odd, but it also... Hindenburg's not a British firm, is it? <laughs> no, no. Because that would be, be even colder. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Right. Um, and Hindenburg came out and said, well, the reason the day, they timed that report because Adani was in the market trying to raise $2.4 billion of fresh share right. market capital. Um, and from, that's themselves. Why, from themselves. From themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a particularly good time when you're... <laughs> When you're buying your own stocks to point out the fact that you're buying your own stocks. Yeah, so Hindenburg said, no, to be clear, we believe India is a vibrant democracy and an emerging superpower with an exciting future. We also believe India's future is being held back by the Adani group, which has draped itself in the Indian flag while systematically looting the nation. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. So, I mean, the thing, the thing I find really fascinating about the way short sellers are operating now is they're really, they're really flamboyant because... The more attention they get, the mm. more that pushes down the share price. So they have a strong incentive to be really colourful with their language, yeah. and that's what you see, like with the title and all the accusations. And and they're also saying, like, and they're, they're kind of confident. They're saying, like, they say, "Bring on! Like, if you want to sue us, bring it on, because mm. we're registered in America, which means you need to come to America, and then you need to pre- present a whole bunch of court documents, which we would love to see. So bring it on!" Is right. what they're saying. Yeah, very interesting. Um, and Adani's been smashed by it. So they've now lost $100 billion in enterprise value over the seven seven companies, seven listed right. companies. Yeah, so, yeah, just getting smashed. Adani Is that a lot for them though? Is $100 billion a lot? I mean, it sounds like yeah. one of the biggest conglomerates in the world, $100 billion. No. Yeah, we're talking something close to like 30 to 50%. Oh, right. Yeah. Now, wow. Depending on the, yeah. So Adani Enterprises, which is the one we're talking about, owns the Carmichael mm. mine, that's gone, that's lost 50% in five days. Right. So, By the yeah, they're getting hammered. By the dip. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it. That's not it. financial advice. <laughs> not <laughs> way. Is that chat GPT getting yeah. out of here? Get out. <laughs> Get out of here, chat GPT. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Adani Enterprise is down 55, 50%. It was up 1,355% over the previous five years. Oh, wow. So, yeah, like it's just been going gangbusters. Mm. And that, but, but Hindenburg saying like a lot of that just comes down to fraud. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, they're, yeah, so getting, getting hammered. Seven of the 10 worst performing stocks in the MSCI Asia Pacific Index are now Adani companies. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then they they, they pulled that $2.4 billion capital raising. They just canned it. So, like, that's actually not a good time to do <laughs> not, that. Not a good time to be <laughs> buying our own stocks. This is it's not the right climate. No. Uh, right, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, the people holding the Stop Adani signs will be happy. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Uh, the, mine, the mine got ahead 
started ah, producing, it? started exporting in 21, yeah. Or did it? Maybe it's just a big, maybe it's a front for... <laughs> <laughs> So are there any other market implications here? Well, I think I think it's really interesting for India overall because mm. because this is an Indian champion, it's kind of like Wes Farmers or BHP getting right. accused of massive fraud. Yep. And then if it turns out to be true, then everyone looks at the Australian market and goes, whoa, what's going on there? Mm. And I think it's the same story in India. Like if this turns out to be true, I think then it raises some governance questions right. around in the Indian market and how secure investor funding is and that might – that might create some problems. I mean, it's also already creating problems for like the people lending and exposed to Adani. So the the State Bank of India is down eleven percent since the report came out because they've got big exposure to India. So it's a bit of a it's a bit it's going to you know it's it's hammering Adani, but it's it's bleeding into the Indian market overall, which then mm. bleeds into your emerging market and your Asia Pacific indexes and, as well. So is it anyway in any way like the Chinese property developer? What was the one um, that went? That went oh, down. Evergrande. Evergrande. Could be. Could be. Because that, they were talking that was going to be the end of the whole world, like if mm. Evergrande went, went under. Yeah. I don't, I, don't th- I don't think Adani has the same kind of interconnectedness that, that Evergrande has mm. or had. So right. I don't think I, I haven't seen anyone fretting about that. I've read probably a dozen articles about this and no one, no one seems to be raising that as an issue. Right. Maybe because mm. Evergrande was made up of actual companies. And- <laughs> 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 Dan is just lots of lots of names on lots of paper. Uh, oh, watch this space. All right, finally, Thomas, on the show, we're talking about the $5 note design. Someone's not happy with the new design of the $5 note. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the RBA has announced that there's going to be a new design for the $5 note. We knew mm. that something was coming because... The Queen died, so it didn't make sense to have her face on it anymore. <laughs> yep. Though it didn't stop the it doesn't stop the Americans. They've got dead people on their money. Arguably it's kinda of, it's a nice sort of legacy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, when, you could argue that point. I wouldn't, mm, but no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so they're, so they're announcing a design that honors the culture and history of the first Australians, is how they said. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's at least some sort of indigenous theme that not gonna go with a particular person. So, you know, there's some calls for Archie Roach or something like that to go on the right. the, the money, but uh, that's that's not going to happen. But they are going to go with some something indigenous themed. Okay, somehow sounds mm. good. What's the problem? Yeah. Well, yeah. So, well, Jim Chalmers was out. He says he likes it. Says it strikes the right balance. You got the monarchs on the coins and indigenous Australians on the notes. So that's a he feels like that's a nice balance. <laughs> yep. But Peter Dutton hates it. He's he oh, says no. it's yeah. No, he's not happy. He's grumpy, we've got grumpy Dutton, um, saying it's another attack on our systems, on our society and our institutions. <laughs> <laughs> it's a $5 note, Peter. Yeah. I, feel like, I feel like we're arguing about who should be on the cover of the white pages. Like, we're barely even using it anymore. <laughs> he says, I know the silent majority don't agree with a lot of the woke nonsense that goes on. Hmm. We've, we've got to hear more from those people online and business leaders have to speak up against it as well. What? Yeah, so really call it, I mean, I th- surely this is hot, the number one item in the West Farmers board meeting. Yeah. We got, what's, what's our position what's on our the $5 position note? on the $5 note design? <laughs> time we took a stand. Yeah. yeah. It is a strange one, isn't it? Like, you know, like for Dutton to be so kind of outspoken, like is this really the hill you want to die on? Is this the, this yeah. is the, this is your hot button issue? <laughs> 
I know, read a room, right? Like, you've just got massacred by the Teals, independence in, in the cities. And then you're going to go like, no, I don't think we should honour Indigenous Australians on our money. On our money, yeah. I think we should stick to foreign monarchs. I'm like, really? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, I don't know. And we're going cashless anyway. So, and the, and the king, so the king's on all the coins, right? Which, mm. like, whatever. All right. Coins aren't going to last. They'll be lucky to see the year out. With the way inflation's yeah. going, $5 probably won't, <laughs> won't be around a whole lot longer than coins. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Like, maybe know, people should to just see. get, like, just put, like, the king's head as his phone wallpaper when he's, like, tapping and going. <laughs> <laughs> so every time we pay waves, just, just have it. Show that to the cafe staff <laughs> as you pick up your latte. <laughs> uh, look, it's the king. Oh, yeah, nice one. <laughs> Is your name Peter? Small soy latte? Uh. <laughs> All right, we might leave it. We might leave it there. I reckon uh, that's a, a fun note to end on. <laughs> Pardon the fun. Fun note. Uh, look, don't forget uh, the Equity Mates have their community survey out and about. So we'd love it if you filled that in. Uh, it's a chance for you to win five hundred dollars cold hard cash. Uh, and a second prize of three tickets to FinFest 2023. Uh, FinFest happening November the 11th at the Carriage Works in Sydney. Uh, for anyone who was there last year, it was an awesome event, uh, awesome event to be part of and just to see. Uh, head over to equitymates.com for where you'll find links to both of those things. But uh, that's it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening once again and we look forward to talking to you again next week. It's bye for now. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.